Our battered suitcases were piled on the sidewalk again. We had longer ways to go, but no matter. The road is life. Jack Kerouac on the road. We all carry suitcases filled with the flotsam and jetsam of our experiences. These satchels are that which is us. And we open them and share them in order to connect. Every road is an adventure. Every path a journey. Most are mundane and normal. Some are quite peculiar. I'm Don Hall, and these are my peculiar journeys. Lately, I've been waking up at least three times a night like a bolt of electricity has been shot through me. I rarely rarely remember my dreams, but the feeling each time is as if I've heard someone breaking into our apartment, unsettling suddenly in a fight-or-flight mode, usually fight, and then once I get up and check the place, an uneasy decline back into sleep. A few nights ago, after a full day of working out some, writing some, reading a full book, I settled into watching The Plot Against America on HBO. Himmel had recommended it, and I hadn't had a chance yet, so I binged all six and a half hours. It's brilliant and incredibly time-sensitive. Go Absolutely, go watch it. But by the time I'd wrapped that up, it was after midnight. I crawled into bed next to Dana, but I wasn't sleepy. I mean, at all. I lay there like a lump, hoping to just fall, but that's like sitting down in a restaurant and waiting to get hungry. So I got up. Put on my glasses and dove into another book. I did some writing. I watched people losing their shit in public on YouTube. And finally, at 5 a.m., I passed out. I heard a piece on NPR that navigated through this phenomenon indicating that it's becoming extremely common during this time of complete and utter what the fuck is happening tomorrow. On Sam Harris's podcast, Making Sense, he related the quick story of a friend known to be a paranoid and, and very anxious who self-medicated with weed, who now feels vindicated all of his worst nightmares have come true and less anxious because everyone else is feeling it too. Everyone deals with stress differently. And being of Irish DNA and a dude from the 80s, you remember those dudes from the 80s, right? Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Van Damme, they're all stoic. I'm not, I'm not badass like that, but you know, it's like stoic with a limited emotional capacity. My method apparently is to be focused while awake, optimistic, and a dithering anxious idiot once I crash. There's a like a Zen story I recall that goes something like this. A soldier and a Taoist master are or Taoist master are traveling, you know, because that's what these guys always do in the stories are always like traveling. And they come to a river. River is violent and chaotic. The water is filled with turbulence, and the strong current is a raging past. It just now how to get across with no bridge. The soldier jumps in and swims as hard as he can against the current. He struggles in contradiction to the raw fury of nature, and it's too much for him, and he drowns. Well, the master jumps in and relax. He kind of just chills out. He lets the strong current flow around him and gently guide him sideways toward the shore. Eventually, and I mean, it does take a bit of time, he washes up on the other side and maybe a mile or so downstream. Now, I'm not much of a go-with-the-flow sort of dude. In most cases, I am the soldier believing in my self-delusion that I am capable and strong enough to challenge the ruthless aspects of nature, whether the natural world or human nature, and come out unscathed. I am, in, I am learning in my advancing age that relaxing, looking carefully at the outrage and chaos of the world and floating through it is a wiser choice sometimes. 
How to float on top of the COVID-19 neo-depression river? I don't know. Avoid buying into fear-mongering on either side of the issue. None of this is going to end the world. It's not just not going to end it. COVID is being mitigated with appropriate social distancing and research, and it's probably going to get worse. The economy will take a massive hit, but will recover some aspects while struggling through others. Take stock of what you have. Plan for a few months into the future. Expect less than you're used to. Be responsible. Take care of those whom you love and get some fucking sleep or at least do the best you can get a little fucking sleep and welcome to episode 75 of my peculiar journeys uh we had uh we skipped a a week um but that was because if you listen to episode 74 you, you have a total understanding of why uh, things got a little wonky around here. Here in Las Vegas, uh, things are slowly opening up. Um, it's looking like uh, there's a very good possibility at this point that our Wild Wild West Casino is going to be reopening June 1st. Um, we are now in the process. And part of the process is, you know, you get money and you put it in the cage. A couple million dollars goes into the cage and that's locked up. And then we have people on property 24 hours a day because we've got, you know, several million dollars sitting on the property. We got to, you know, you got to kind of guard that money. It's kind of how it works. And slowly but surely we've met with our, our team members, our staff, and, and things are starting to go. And I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a little nerve wracking that uh, maybe, you know, we're going to spike and there's going to be a lot of, you know, mouth breathers so to speak without masks in the casino that i'm maybe surrounded by yeah that's a little worrying but i we've got to get started somehow we we have to get started at some point um might as well do do it now you know what i mean i'm not really fearful of getting the virus in fact i had my COVID test and i'm i'm negative at this point um i'm not really fearful of getting the virus i guess i'm thinking let's be cautious uh play smart and stay healthy Can I tell you something you won't judge me on? Always a loaded question. Not hard to answer because he's 22 years old and is looking for some wisdom. Not that wisdom is necessarily my fort, but with 30 more years of screwing things up than he, I might have something to offer. Sure. I think my girlfriend might be pregnant. It's kind of freaking me out. I mean, we both have college and she just got started. I don't don't want to be selfish, but this would destroy my life, you know? I take a breath. For him, this is a big one. This is one of those scenarios where his life up to this point meets the potential of life going forward in a game-changing way. So I want to be careful. And I want to be right. Well, what's the worst possible outcome in this situation, in your view? Huh? Uh, she's pregnant? No. Now dig deeper. What's worse than that? I don't know. Okay. How about she's pregnant and you find out the baby is stricken with some sort of physical malady that will require all sorts of medical assistance to keep him alive and a lifetime of care taking even into the child's adult life. And then your girlfriend dies giving birth. Jesus, that's dark. Fuck. Yeah. So what is the likelihood of that specific circumstance happening? I don't know. Pretty slim, I suppose. Well, what would you do? What actions you can you control if that happened? I don't understand. I explained to him that sometime and somewhere down the line, I found it helpful in times of massive change or incredible risk to assess the worst possible outcome, make a list of what I could do in that situation, what my options were, so to speak, and make a plan and then set it aside. 
then go on to the next possible outcome, just slightly less worse, and do the same thing. In these situations, we all endure them over and over. If the fear of things being out of our control is what causes the most anxiety. Most of life is completely outside of our ability to affect it. A hurricane bearing down on your home, cancer, a kid getting hammered and plowed into your parked car at 1 a.m. in his mother's uninsured SUV, a megalomaniacal shit stain of barely recognizable human getting elected via the Electoral College to the highest office in the land, taxes, and of course the daily ticking of the personal demise clock inching you closer to the final curtain. Sometimes the worst possible outcome happens just as you feared it would, but 99.9% of the time it doesn't. It gives one a sense of controlling those things that are under one's control to visualize the worst and the next last worst and the next and then predict those elements in those scenarios that one can control. One thing that's wholly out of our control is the behavior and reactions of other people. We start the process of finding some way to control people by first assuming motivations and biases. Based upon nothing more than a biological sense of stereotyping, a narrative sense that comes mostly from film and television, and a self-centered belief that by fully empathizing with others, we can glean some cognizant understanding of why they behave the way they do, we set out to either convince or shame folks into doing what we want. It helps to have an unbendable view of right and wrong, good and evil, primarily derived from stories that reduce all conflict to that, that binary. The obvious problem with this approach is, well, life among the sapiens isn't quite so two-sided. And those who do, don't, who do see the world in two opposing ideas, good versus evil, oppressor versus oppressed, dark side versus light side, are morons or zealots, or moronic zealots. Control yourself first. Control your reactions. Control which choices are the best strategically. Control the things you have a fighting chance controlling. And for Christ's sakes, control your emotions. Don't throw your fucking tennis racket. Resist the temptation to scream at those you disagree with. Be a grown-up and stop yourself from losing your shit. Once you start to get a grip on yourself, you begin to see things not in a hyperbolic monsoon destroying your ramshackle man cave aspect, but as the passing winds of change. You start to see the Trump administration is more a Monty Python version of the Bush Jr. administration without that messy preemptive war. Maybe that Uber driver who asked you out for a drink is not actually an example of rape culture. Perhaps those microaggressions are in fact micro rather than avatars of white supremacy. Well, I said, what will you do if she's pregnant? Oh, fuck, Don, don't ask me that. I'm asking you because it's the question you should be asking. If you take some time and go through things, you might figure out that her being pregnant is not the worst possible outcome, that there are a host of worse outcomes to catalog. If you get kind of a rough game plan for the cascading horrors of those things, worse than your girlfriend getting pregnant, then you can totally get, get one for that, right? Yeah, I guess so. You think I'm stupid, huh? Nope. Nope. Just young. Dumbest thing I ever believed was that when I was in my 20s, I thought I had it all figured out. Turns out as I was as much a dipshit as just about everyone else in his or her 20s. But the best possible outcome of getting older is that maybe, maybe, you learn a few things along the way. What's the worst possible outcome of getting older? I don't know. Immortality? That or never make any mistakes.
One of the things I, I did that uh, is very bizarre, and it's you, you can go to literateape.com if you want to read about it, but uh, I realized that I had never seen, well, I didn't realize that I knew it, I had never seen a Game of Thrones, and so I watched 76 hours of fucking Westeros inside of about three weeks. I just immersed myself into Game of Thrones, drove Dana nuts. Um, but uh, what I can say at the end of the day, aside from perhaps the last three episodes, I thought it was great. I had a great time. I love the characters. I like the storylines. Um, I had a great time. So if you have not seen Game of Thrones and you're thinking about, yeah, maybe you're going to jump in, here's my recommendation. Watch it all the way up into Season 8, Episode 3. It's called The Long Night. Finish there and then walk away. Don't bother with the last three episodes. Just don't. I'm just telling you. That's what I'm telling you to do is do that. All right? Driving Las Vegas is a necessary danger in that one has to drive to get almost any place around and other drivers pursue their road trip like a seventh grade boy hopped up on Mountain Dew Extreme in a raging boner. Every roadster on Sahara or Tropicana gets into his or her car, shuts the door, and a bizarre bubble of entitlement and narcissism envelops each person. No one outside this bubble matters, and every second on the road is an inconvenience. One can imagine that this attitude combined with two-ton metal boxes hurtling forward at 70 miles an hour might be crazily dangerous. Well, each vehicle is a version of a Skinner box. Now, the Skinner box was popular back in the day when studying human behavior by torturing rats was in vogue and had a simple premise. Put a rat in a box with a lever. Rat presses lever and gets a treat. Rat learns this behavior and continues to press that fucking lever until scientist stops dropping the treats. Rat gets pissed off as he is now expecting the treat and deserves the treat. And where the fuck is my fucking treat, motherfucker? If there is a defining characteristic of the last decade, it is that with the introduction of the smartphone in 2009, which beget social media and nearly unrestrained connectivity to immediate gratification, we've spent 10 years in various Skinner boxes, almost 24 hours a day. Rat gets the internet. When he presses the lever and chooses his Amazon Prime treat, he gets it in 24 hours. Rat keeps pressing the lever, and stuff keeps getting delivered. Internet goes down for a bit, and Rat tries to press the lever, but no treats come. Rat gets pissed off because he deserves that immediate gratification and deserves the Internet. And where's my goddamn Bally essential oil bath bombs at 30% off, jackass? Rat joins Facebook, posts pictures of funny things, and gets likes, likes feel good and are, in and of themselves, little endorphin treats. Rat keeps sharing opinions about politics, personal information, and memes, and gets used to the flow of treats. Rat decides these treats aren't, you know, quite enough. Starts tailoring everything he shares to get more and more attention, but the treats are arbitrary and inconsistent. Rat gets pissed off because he's entitled to the attention, and why does that vapid bikini model have so many more followers than me, and where's my cock-sucking likes on followers, you stupid mouth-breathing fucktards? Skinner boxes are the avatars of immediate gratification and unearned treats. The multiple Skinner boxes we have embraced in our every moment, fast food, social capital, speedy travel, the customer is always right, self-checkout lines, Black Friday, movies on our computers, instant payments online, Tinder, hashtag activism have trained us 
to expect things we haven't earned, and to become a society of toddlers and rats without the understanding or valuation of patience. Well, we love to read about how badass we are by simply existing. According to the information highway, we are all beautiful and amazing, even though we know we aren't all beautiful and amazing. When anything gets in the way of that belief, we lose our shit. The idea that one would need to work on themselves to lose a few pounds, maybe hit the elliptical once in a while, take a fucking walk, buy some pants that actually fit, means that in order to be beautiful and amazing, we need to do something rather than simply press the self-esteem lever and get the sugary treat on the other side. A rat has no patience for that. Rat what he want, wants what he wants and isn't fucking waiting to that shit standing fucking fucking treat for a second longer. I mean, how long do I have to stand here and wait for my crapping soy latte with a shot and extra fucking foam, asshole barista? At this point, we've been moving from Skinner box to Skinner box for a full decade and escape is pretty much an impossibility, arguably. There are far less of them in flyover country, which is perhaps why the social justice rhetoric finds far less purchase in, say, Kansas than it does in New Jersey. For a lot of us in America, we aren't going to suddenly cut ourselves off from the levers and treats, but we can focus on that sense of entitlement and the outrage we boil in when we aren't gifted with the immediate. We can't escape, but we can relearn patience and self-discipline. Is that guy in the car in front really a slow motherfucking brain-dead dipshit? Or are you just feeling rushed by an arbitrary sense of time and didn't really plan your trip as well as you could have? Is that woman really a racist piece of shit? Or are you just constantly looking for racist things to be upset about? I mean, she was just at the wrong place at the wrong time, and now you can put her on YouTube in an effort to seem engaged politically. Is it really McDonald's fault you're a fat sack of suet and lard? Or are you just more addicted to convenience and salt to grab an apple instead? Be aware of yourself and practice, practice control over your impulses and emotions. I mean, seriously, calm the fuck down, okay? Trump is embarrassing and kind of awful in almost every way, but your life after 2016... COVID-19 aside isn't that vastly different than your life before. Up until the COVID-19, Trump hadn't really done a whole lot of damage, so get some perspective, hunker down, quit mewling and banging your head against the world, and quietly get the work needed to vote him out this year. And it's going to be harder because we've got this pandemic and the economy shit. But chop the fucking wood rather than scream at the tree, man. Patience is the practice of waiting for a period of time without reward, and maybe not being a raging cunt about it. Not really that hard unless you identify as, you know, raging cunt and are prevented from constantly reminding everyone that your RC flag flies at all times. Food tastes better when you're genuinely hungry. A cigarette's more satisfying when you need a moment to relax. Sex is better when you take your time. Learn to wait for your treats. You don't even have to be civil or polite. Just try to avoid being a total dickhead. You're way ahead of the game. You know, the best part of those calendar benchmarks you, know, you mark on the calendar is the sense that you can turn some sort of personal page and reboot. Not only do we have the new year, but we have the new decade. 2020 hasn't gone so very well, but it's important if you choose for it to be. If you only have one resolution this year, make it patience. 
Coronavirus is teaching us patient patience. Learn it. Own it. You have the time, so be patient. We all need it more than we need some more immediate gratification. And when things open up, drive safely, because the guy in the Honda Accord might just be less patient than you. And that's the episode. One of the things that I've been thinking about, and I don't know how, how far this is, that I've, I've been in a lot of conversations with people, um, and I, I had this very interesting conversation. I was talking with uh, one of my coworkers, and she was basically saying that she thought the shutdown was all bullshit. It was all conspiracy theory, and she started to kind of throw that stuff up. And so we kind of argued back and forth, and it wasn't a heated arg- argument, but it was an argument. And at one point, you know, I I said, well, you know, I don't agree with you and you're not going to change my mind. And she said, I'm not trying to change your mind. And in the back of my mind, I went, then what the fuck are we talking? Why are we talking about this? If, If our agenda is not to inform one another and see if we can't persuade some information into or out of the other. And I thought about it. It's like, wow, we are we we really learned those Skinner boxes. We We really are performative at all times we, we can't even argue without sort of like the same tone that we would argue in the theater of Facebook and I went yeah we gotta fix that because that's that's that I think that's a bigger problem than anything else I mean you know you can argue about why Donald Trump got elected in 2016 but I think the, the to me the most sensible thing the thing that has really resonated with me is the idea that we don't vote for who we want anymore we vote for who we don't want. We vote against people we dislike. And that dislike is is all based on this idea that we cannot communicate well because we're constantly communicating as a performative act rather than an informational act. Just something I'm thinking about. I don't know if that is, is something you're thinking about, but uh, I'm, sure I'll, I'm sure I'll have more to say about it. Thank you so much for listening to Peculiar Journeys. I hope uh, this, uh, this round of stuff has uh, been edifying in some way, and uh, I hope you'll listen next week. Thanks. This has been another episode of the Peculiar Journeys podcast. For archived episodes, go to donhall.vegas slash podcast to hear stories of Chicago, of Millennium Park, and of the big move to Las Vegas. If you dig the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts and review the show. If you really dig the podcast, why not go to patreon.com slash peculiarjourneys and help fund the endeavor. Whatever you decide to do, thank you for listening, and I hope you come back for more of my peculiar journeys.